Welcome back, everyone, to a brand new edition of Getting Color with Big Vito LaGrasso and Virtue right here on the BigVitoBrand.com. And it's great to be back with you, Vito. Once again, I'm loving this. And boy, do we have some hot and steamy topics to talk about today. I think we're going to bleed. Somebody's going to bleed today. How's it going, man? Everything is good. I hope everybody's getting getting through this uh, virus. You know, I know everybody's uh, looking forward to tomorrow when some things are supposed to be opening up, which is going to be tomorrow, which is going to be Monday. Um, I hope everybody stays safe out there. Guys, don't be in a rush to get out there because we really don't know what's going to happen. Things have been subsiding because everybody's been on lockdown. But, you know, you know how things are. If everybody rushes out and does things, this could wind up being a backfire and biting us worse than what it is and being locked down even worse. So, guys, just be careful out there. You know, think before you do things. You know, be safe. Don't run to things. And uh, let's try to enjoy the summer the best we can. Brooks, you start the show off. We got some topics. Yes, and before we get to the wrestling topics, let's just briefly address the Green Bay Packers selected a quarterback in their draft. Uh, interesting to see what happens yes. here now with Mr. Rogers because look what happened when uh, he sat for about three or four years, and then when it was time to go on to him, Brett Favre was gone. And he was actually – Rogers was there for a while. Now, what do you think is going to happen with this situation? And the other one? Andy Dalton oh, to the yes. Cowboys? Yeah. Let's talk about football quarterbacks. Go. All right. Football quarterbacks. Guys, <clears throat> you know when you're Aaron Rodgers and you're great and you overstep your bounds and you talk too much and they say, okay, asshole, we're going to draft a quarterback. We're tired of you. We already got rid of the coach. We're not winning. What's going to happen? We're going to bring somebody along. We're going to be quiet. We're going to let this kid gain a year of your experience. Next year, we are releasing you. You heard it here first. Andy Dalton. Now, I think this is the best signing of the whole NFL you know, free agency. Andy Dalton going to the Cowboys. Because with that offense, that offensive line, the receivers, the running back, Andy Dalton, if he is the starter, I bet you, I predict a 10-win-plus season for him. And Dak Prescott, you're not worth all the money. You haven't won anything. You have stats, but you have zero wins. Are you better than Tom Brady? Should you make more than Tom Brady? Should you make more than Aaron Rodgers? Should you make more than Drew Brees? Should you make more than these guys who've done it? And been there. Are you that guy? Dak Prescott, you haven't won anything, so how could you base yourself on being the most expensive quarterback? Why are we paying you on potential? A, guy, a perfect example, okay? Jameis Winston, I think you saw my, my, my post about Jameis Winston. Did he Winston. officially sign with the uh, Saints? For $1.1 million. Why? He's going to sit. He's young. He's going to learn behind Drew Brees, right? And he is going to quarterback the Saints and be the starting quarterback within a year. And get when, a contract. When Brees retires. And, and yeah. Yes. No, so here's my takes on all these. So that was a good backup um, pickup for the Saints. And on top of that, I think they still have Taysom, Taysom Hill or whatever his name is. Yes. He's yes. going to play tight end, I hear. Yes. And, and he's a, he, he can play quarterback as well. Going to Dallas, Dak Prescott's. 
Dak Prescott is not worth 35 to $40 million a season. And so Andy Dalton getting that one-year deal, if, if, if he holds out, if it doesn't pan out, they got a capable quarterback that has at least gotten to the playoffs. And, and Andy Dalton, look, he, he didn't seem that great towards the end there at Cincinnati. But he, they did go to five straight years of playoffs. And, yes, he crapped out in the playoffs. But what weapons did they really have besides maybe A.J. Green? I mean, did they really have anything? That, the running backs, there always fizzled out, got hurt. So good for Dallas. Now, what do I think um, Aaron Rodgers goes? I think he might get traded. I think I'd like to see him go to a team. Oh, Peyton Manning went to Denver late in his career and helped them out. I'd like to see Denver do the same thing and bring in Rodgers and get Where right back to that. Would you think that is there a trade market for Aaron Rodgers? What would you give up for him? How much? What kind of money? What kind of draft picks? What would you give up for an Aaron Rodgers? A number a number one pick, two number twos. What would you give up? Well, it's it's a tricky situation, and if, if it's a team that's not traditionally bad every year, like one, two, three wins, they're right around the six, seven, eight win mark that's just trying to get back to the playoffs like a Denver Broncos, I could see them giving up some picks. The question is, if the Packers want to get rid of them so badly, if they do want to move on with their future, maybe they don't accept as much. So, But it is a big contract he has. We'll see what happens. I mean, look what happened with Favre. He ended up elsewhere and finished his career with the Vikings and the Jets. You now, know. But you know what? When he went to the Jets, okay, he was doing great until he got injured. Am I right or wrong? He won, he, I mean, he, and he went to some deep playoff runs with the Vikings before the Jets, too. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So, I mean, there's life after Green Bay. Now, you bring up a good point. When you talk about where Aaron Rodgers can go, now that everybody has a quarterback, who else needs a quarterback out there? Jacksonville. The Titans. I was just going to say the Titans probably. Well, the Titans ended up signing Tannehill, but the Jaguars. The Jaguars need one. Jaguars need one. Are they are they a playoff team? I can't see him going to a non-playoff team. That's true. Right now, well, I think about it. it. Could be what if an injury arises to somebody's quarterback, and then a stock for a quarterback could go up. You know that always happens throughout the season too. Now, would you would the Giants or the Jets be in line to get an Aaron Rodgers if the price was right? Who would you trade? What would you trade if you were the Jets or the Giants? Well, I mean, it's going to be picks, but the question is how many, how high. But do you bring them in? Do you bring a Rodgers in for a few years at the twilight of his career when he's probably still productive and have the quarterbacks you recently drafted in the last couple of years sit behind them? Why not? You just talked about Winston, who's already started in the league, now sitting behind Brees for a couple of years. But again, we'll see what happens. This just could be a smoke alarm. And next thing we know, four years will pass and, and Rodgers will still be a Packer it's and he'll be retired. Never, it's never a smoke alarm when they draft a quarterback because you've been a pain in the ass. Oh, They're giving true. you a wake up. You know the tap on the shoulder from the Lord? And they say, hey, Vito, wake up. You can't wrestle forever, Vito. And I'm like. Brett, Brett Favre's comments, too, suggest that he thinks that Rodgers will not end his career at Packer. So. Nope, definitely not. All right. Got basketball news. What do you got for basketball? How's I, I'm waiting for this. I mean, are they going to have. I heard this rumor of them maybe doing the playoffs at Disney. What, yeah. what do you, how can they have all these teams compete at Disney? How many complexes are there? What are we talking about if they There's did this? There's one major complex in Disney, right? It's the, it's the, uh, it has one big basketball court, one pro court, 
where maybe you could fit a thousand people, but I doubt if you're going to fit that. If you had to play pro ball in Disney, you can do it. Okay. You can do it at ESPN. They do have a training facility there. They have the actual turf field. You do have the place to play. Now, they do have practice facilities in Disney. They have other courts. It's a tremendous place. Can they do it? Yes. Would that be the safest place to do it? Yes. Accommodating all the people who need to be there, if Disney would open their hotels and let them and let them be in the hotels, it's a win. They would make money off of it from the NBA. Yes, they would. So they could house all these NBA teams and give everybody a chance to, you know, to be in one place, quarantine, and be cool. And we're assuming this would be playoffs, would be big, it would be playoffs. It right. would literally start the playoffs. So that's, I mean, I, I need the NBA playoffs, Vito. You know, that's what I'm waiting for. I hope something pans out quickly here. Now, how's baseball going in Cleveland? What do you guys got on tap there? It, it's, I mean, they traded Kluber last year. The whole talk of the town is, is Lindor going to stay? Look, they're not going to pay. Indians are a small market, medium market. They'll never pay that. But Lindor is going to probably get A-Rod type money. So the question is, what can the Indians get before they lose them completely? So they're going to, if this season and when this season starts, they're going to try to compete in the AL uh, Central Division here. I mean, the Twins, come on. I, mean, I don't know if the Twins are sustainable. They won the division last year. But if things look rocky like they kind of did last year, I'm telling you, Small market, medium market team here, a player like Lindor that they know they won't keep, sayonara, they will trade him and get something out of him. I have the trade that would be great for Cleveland, and I would get something good in return. I think you would get um, a trade with the Yankees for Andujar, who plays third base, and Clint Frazier for Lindor. You guys need an outfielder who can hit, and that kid could hit, and... You know, Andrew Hart could play. Can, now, they're saying he could play the outfield. He could play third base. He could play first base. You're getting a versatile player, okay? You guys wouldn't have a shortstop, but I think you have one in the minor league system. So I think that would be a good trade for the Yankees and Cleveland to trade up and swap. Because Lindor, like you said, he's a premier guy. Gleyber Torres is going to move back to second. Lamantio can move to first. Or and um, Where did Gregorius go or whatever his name is? The guy that played for the Yankees. He went to Philadelphia. That's with, right. Uh, the, with uh, Steve Max and the Mets. Yeah. So, did we cover sports? Yeah, we did. I just want it back so bad. But, oh, we got wrestling because it's essential. So, first thing, let's check this off the list. Uh, WrestleMania, we had some injuries. Kevin Owens, he's been off TV because he sustained an injury in that match against Seth Rollins. And Jimmy Uso also sustained an injury and is out six to nine months um, wow, an essential wrestling business, WrestleMania, not even performing in front of fans, and we had some big injuries. Well, at least that's keeping them off TV. What's your thoughts here? Is this just does this just go in the nature of the beast for the wrestling business, or could this have been prevented? Did these guys have to go out as hard as they did guys, um, for WrestleMania, honest. even though it wasn't in front of fans? I know they were still performing in front of TV audience, but Seriously, Vito, could this have been avoided, some of these injuries? I'm going to say it like it is, guys. They were put in a position where they had to wrestle. It's It's their job on the line, and everybody knows the consequences of what happens if you buck the system. Okay? I'll give you, for instance, Roman Reigns forbidden to be mentioned on TV. 
right? So you take that with a grain of salt, take it how you want. They're not going to repackage him. They're not going to make him different. They're not going to bring him back in a costume. They're not bringing him back in a mask. They're not doing anything. The small-time rumors have it that he has been quietly released and will go into the sunset, maybe ride off in. uh, They'll pay his contract out. They'll let him sit for a year off TV, irrelevant, and then that'll be it. That that that's the that's the worst of news. Being that you had to wrestle because Vince McMahon demanded you because he demands loyalty from his employees, which I can understand to a to a certain point. Now Kevin Owens, he's a gamer. He's a wrestler. He wants to wrestle. That's what he loves to do. You know, he came in. He wrestled. He got hurt in front of an empty arena. Jimmy Uso, they're just coming back off a layoff where they had trouble. I think it was Jimmy who had the trouble, right? And I'm not bringing up bad things, guys. I'm just saying they were off the TV for a while. They're coming back. They're getting their spot back. He gets injured. Was this supposed to take place? Absolutely not. Why these worthless injuries? Nothing is worthless, but they could have been avoided with the cancellation of WrestleMania Go. Well, yeah, and of course I could see people say, well, if we, if we didn't have the pandemic and WrestleMania took place in the stadium, these guys could have still worked and still got hurt. Yeah, okay, whatever. Now, I disagree with you on the Roman thing, and we got to revisit this down the road. I think when this all settles, and this, I think he's still going to be back in a major role. I know you're kind of opposite with me on that, so this will be an interesting revisit later on. I think there's just something about Roman that gets Vince McMahon hard enough to still push him, even though he didn't perform at WrestleMania. We will have to see what happens. Do you really think so? Do you really think? I I think he's going to. Now, the four straight main events at WrestleMania, Vince doesn't do that to everybody. I don't know what it is. He's attracted to him in a homophobic or in a non-homophobic way, a homoerotic way. But but I I don't know. Same way with Cena. He was the same way with Cena. So if he's the same way with Cena, then, you know, I, he, that's his boy. But now that Roman has turned the lead. Now, you look at the ratings of what they're doing right now, guys. Okay? And now we talked about this. And I'm going to bring this again. I'm going to bring it up. Drew McIntyre looks very plain, looks very vanilla as the heavyweight champion. Especially with no crowd. Right? Very, very <laughs> vanilla. Uh, Braun Strowman looks even more vanilla as a heavyweight champion. There's no oomph. They should never have taken the belt off of Brock Lesnar. My situation here, make one champion, make Brock the champion for both brands. Doesn't mean he has to wrestle for, but whoever the number one contender is at the time, you'll go to SmackDown pay-per-view, you wrestle there. You go to the Raw pay-per-view, you go to there. This two champion thing, guys, I can't see it happening. It is not paying the it's not paying the bills. Okay. Now, the way they have it, the fiend is supposed to is supposedly is gonna win the title, making Braun Strowman a transition champion. I hope okay? so. Now, Drew McIntyre is not doing nothing for the ratings. And here is the point I'm making. With no sports competition and the ratings going down. What happens when sports come back on TV and it's on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Friday nights? Where are their ratings going absolutely down? Yep. I mean, 
It's almost you almost think just when we thought they plateaued, they found a way to go lower. You know? All right, let's move on. Now, this topic is more just like a teaser for my solo video, Virtue's Brand of Wrestling. But I want to kind of pick your brain briefly on this as like a hype okay. for that. Tony Khan is booking and writing AEW. Like since the beginning of the year, the dirt sheets have reported. He's kind of came out on Twitter and said it. Now, my argument is this guy owns his company. He's had his hand in the cookie jar. Actually, he is the cookie jar of creative since this company started. I don't care. I know there's EVPs, executive vice presidents, Cody, the Bucks, Omega. And sure, they may have had some input. Tony Khan has been running this show. I know it since day one. And the thing is, now they're trying to make it like all of a sudden, the beginning of the year, he's now organizing creative and it's better. Okay. Ratings are going down. So, dude, my argument is about on the Virtues brand of wrestling is going to be this guy should be nowhere near booking or writing a wrestling show. And I'll explain to the BigVitoBrand.com viewers my take on that during that video. But Vito, since you're on with me here on Getting Color, do you want to kind of give your take on Tony Khan? Guys, they're schmoozing this guy. They made this They made this deal with Tony Khan. Hey, Tony, how you doing? What's going on? I'm not saying he's... Let's get this totally straight right here. I am not making fun of Tony Khan. I am not making fun of Cody Rhodes, Chris Jericho, or the Bucks, or anybody. This is just the wrestling business in itself, okay? For all the guys who are going to report, and I know you guys watch the show, and they report to Vince, and they report to AEW, and they report, and they report, what does Vito have to say? And I am a straight shooter, and I'm going to tell you, Wrestling 101, okay? Here it is, guys. Tony put up the money. They put up the brand. They got this together. Chris Jericho is very smart. Chris Jericho is worth money. Who did they have, who did they have besides Jericho as the name and the heavyweight champion? They really didn't have anybody. They're trying Moxley. I mean, he's literally the second champion. They're right. trying. They're trying, right? Moxley was was after the fact, okay? He didn't come with the original brand guys. All the guys they had on there were unproven uh, good wrestlers who never got to shine in the WWE. Cody Rose couldn't crack it in the WWE. At, at He was given five or six different gimmicks. He was given five or six different chances, and he couldn't do it. But when you when you wrestle to your own beat and you're calling your own shots and you're making your own match and you're doing it yourself to put yourself over, okay, but when you think about the whole, where do you go after this? Now, they got the Young Bucks. You know, they are a good tag team. Are they big guys? No. Are they good tag team? Yes. Kenny Omega has come over from Japan. I think he belongs in Japan. I'm not saying he's a bad wrestler. He's a great Japanese-style wrestler. When he comes to translate it and brings it here, guys, he, they got him in a tag team, Vito. He's a tag team champion. What he's, a waste. He's vanilla. He's very vanilla, okay? Doesn't give you any oomph. Now, when you look at the rest of the roster, there are some guys. Jack Swagger Hat was a world champion in WWE. He just lost to Moxley. Okay, everybody's got to do something. Dustin Rhodes, at, at the end of his career, is getting prominent matches and putting guys over and making an input. Billy Gunn, the biggest guy in the dressing room, okay, and probably the best worker they have, is sitting on the sidelines. All right, along with Jericho. You know what I mean? Jericho 
has gracefully went on the side to try and let this shine. But when you look at the whole thing, guys, do you think Tony Khan, you know, they, these guys didn't schmooze him and say, hey, Tony, hey, listen to this. Yeah, Tony, we could use your ideas. We, we could use your money. We could use your own wrestling. Tony Khan is a big wrestling fan, guys. Okay, now that he's got his wrestling organization and compliments to you because you're doing a good job of what you have, okay, do you really think he didn't have input? you really think he didn't have a say in what goes on? Do you really think he didn't have a, 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 you know, half a brain to say, hey, I'm going to have input and say something? Of course he did, guys. Yeah, and all, all that money of a he has sudden, on the line. All of a sudden, Tony Khan's getting, getting repped. Tony Khan has had his hand in this from day one. He's had his hand in this from day two to day 57 to day 90. Today, he's getting recognition for having a hand in this. Everything is Cody Rhodes, Cody Rhodes, Cody Rhodes. If this thing failed, who's getting the blame? Tony Khan? Cody Rhodes. He's going to be labeled a failure, right? If this thing yeah. folds. Because he's the CEO. It's the click. It's the inner circle. It's all this stuff. And where are these guys going afterwards? They're all going to go back, try to get to Vince. Vince ain't taking none of them. <laughs> they'll, they'll take Jericho. Yeah. Yes. They'll take Jericho. They'll take back Moxley. You think they're calling playing, you're going to take back Cody Rhodes and Dustin and deal, and the Bucks and all these guys? Probably they'll, not. They'll take them back to embarrass them, humiliate them, job them, right? Yep. They're playing a game. You read this online. They're playing a game with Cody Rhodes over, um, over the trademarking of names. This is so bullshit, and this is so nonsense. We infringement, this gimmick, that gimmick. How about let's go back to wrestling one-on-one. -on -one. If you're over, you're over. You don't need to infringe nothing. You don't need to trademark anything. People know who you are when you walk in the building. People know what, what's to buy and what not to buy. This trademark bullshit and this businessman gimmick you're playing, I like Cody Rhodes as a, as a person. But doing all this propaganda and everything, my friend, you're playing a game. This might close sooner than you think because of the ratings game, and they might pull the plug on it. Well, if Tony Khan keeps writing and booking, it's going to end up a lot quicker than everybody thinks. And, and you'll be able to hear my point on Tony Khan over on Virtue's brand of wrestling, but oh my God, this just irritates but, but, me. But Virtue, did you know that, like, you look at um, uh, Dixie Carter, nice lady. Right, and I met her. I worked for her. Nice lady, influenced by wrestlers who are workers, right? And what happened to that company? She sold, folded up a camp. But that was after millions and millions and millions of dollars. Tony Khan is not that stupid. Tony Khan is not that idiotic. His father is not some Jabo. Okay, his father is gonna pull the plug on this when he thinks he had enough. Right now. It's getting off the ground. We're going to have a year, maybe two years. If this thing doesn't start get generating 2.5 million, 3 million viewers, they're out. They can't run their house shows. They're not going to these things. They're losing money. Who knows what kind of contracts these guys... This, virtue, do you have any inkling on the contracts that were given to these guys in AEW? I don't know exactly how much, but I mean, considering... 
like Jericho only has to work so many matches. I'm sure they're very, very beneficial. Like Tony Khan throwing money time. away. He's throwing, right. he's throwing money at him for sure. All right. So the Young Bucks have a contract. Kenny Omega, the Young Bucks, Cody Rhodes, his wife, Chris Jericho, Moxley. Jack Swagger has a contract. They're all now, These are all easily high six and seven-figure contracts. Okay. Easy. Where does it draw the line for the lower-tier guys? Or where do you draw the line on contract? Are guys getting 50000 Are they getting 75000 Are they getting 100000 That's a good point, and I have no clue. Are some of them getting paid by appearance? I, I don't know. Are they get, If they're getting a guaranteed contract for, say... A hundred thousand. That's two grand. Two grand a week. Okay, to be generous. Two to grand a week. We're going to give you medical benefits. Would you work for AEW? Yes. You don't have to pay for your your hotel. You don't have to pay for your travel. You you just got to go to one show a week. That's a bonus. That that's a steal. You work 52, 52 weeks of wrestling. Fifty two shows a year. You're not cracking a hundred. If you throw in some house shows here or there. You got a hell of a deal. Yep. I agree. Dude, and here's here's the thing. Tony Khan's got a lot of money, but how he should be being businessman and not being, hey, I've always wanted to book wrestling. And I'm gonna talk about that over on the other show. Now, Vito, there's kind of a segue here in your end discussion of that when you were talking about ratings. How can Dave Meltzer call Vince Russo? The offensive coordinator for a championship team, of course, when he write, wrote for Vince McMahon, the highest ratings ever, and then say he was a 2-14 and 14 head coach once he left WWE. First of all, there's a few things I want to address on this before you talk about this. Go ahead. Since Russo left WWE, they've never been able to sustain the ratings when they had him, okay? And, and now you're telling me that he went to WCW, who might have already kind of been doomed with Bischoff's involvement before Russo even went there. They were still drawing three, three and a half million people. OK, right. then Russo went to TNA. TNA was drawing, what, two to two and a half million at its highest. Two point five. What, what are these AEW and NXT shows drawing on Wednesday nights against each other right now? Six to seven hundred thousand apiece. Disgusting. What's Raw and SmackDown drawing? All under 2 million right now, high high 1.9s. Uh, Meltzer, are you effing kidding me? Russo is a failure, and anytime he wants to be on your show or talk to you in person, you ignore him. Vito, last time I checked, I didn't go to school for journalism, but I took some classes in that realm when I went to college. You're supposed to be credible and interview and talk to anybody, whether you, if, especially if you say something that might be incorrect and someone's challenging you on that. You're supposed to retract, put a rebuttal, not ignore somebody. So Meltzer is a journalist? F that. And look, I've been called a Russo mark. I like Jim Cornette. I like a lot of Jim Cornette's work. They're not, they're enemies, right? Because I call it like I see it. I know what's good when I see what's good. I know what's bad. So what is your take here on Dave Meltzer? What a complete a-hole. I would like your opinion on something. Yeah. Should, should I say what's in my gut or should I keep, keep it? Um, view it's getting friendly. color, you know? It, that, it's getting color. It doesn't matter. You, you do what you need to do. I've been thinking about this all day. Guys, I woke up this morning. 
and I saw the first thing I saw was Dave Meltzer talking about Vince Russo again. And I got to tell you, I worked out today and I did my stuff and I it burned inside me. This is the first part of my burn. Here's Dave Meltzer again after The Rock, Steve Austin, Chris Jericho. A whole, a whole, who? Foley. Foley. Are you talking about that's put Russo's ideas over as creative? Yes. And yes. I'm talking about the guys who were there during the Attitude Era, who were there when Russo was booking. All these guys came to bat for Russo, okay? And what more of, you, of an endorsement do you need then for The Rock and these guys, the top stars of our era, of the 90s, to come. And Vince Russo did his job. Vince Russo did this. Now, when you talk about the Dave Meltzer's, he puts out a lot of bullshit. And I hate this, that I got to talk about wrestling. You know, everybody out there t tells me, uh, you know, Vito, when he comes on, he's bitter. Or I talk about, on this show... Virtue and I talk, when it's good, I will put it over, and I don't care what feelings I have for the WWE or AEW. If it's good, I'm going to say it's good. If it sucks, and I think it's the shits, I'm going to say it's the shits. Whether it's my show or anybody else's podcast. This is what we did on No TQ. This is what we did on Virtue's Reality. This is what we do on Getting Color with the Big Vito brand. And I'm going to say it like this. I think it sucks to high heaven that Dave Meltzer buries Vince Russo. And I have no beast with any of these gentlemen, okay? I'm going to name some names. You got Dave Meltzer. You got Jim Cornette. You got Eric Bischoff. You got Bruce Pritchard. Is anybody, am I missing anybody? Dude, these are guys that Russo either took their jobs or he had a job in a business like Meltzer always wanted but could never get. Meltzer's a journalist, right? He never wrote the WWE magazine or Raw magazine. Nope. He never got to write WWE television. There's the bitterness. What happened with Bischoff, um, Pritchard, all of Cornette, Russo became head writer over them or took their jobs more or less. Now That's why they're bitter. I am not saying this because Vince Russo is my friend. And I'm not saying, because when there are times, see, behind closed doors, if Vince did something behind WCW when we were there together, and I said, Vince, yeah. what the fuck? What are you doing? Right, and I would ask him, and we would talk about things, and uh, these are conversations that none of nobody's business. But you think I didn't speak my oh, yeah. mind? Yeah, and I don't agree with Russo all the time either. He buried horror movies and said they're stupid. Their climaxes in the dark are stupid, and I had to set him correct that horror movies are great genre, bro. And a lot of horror movies end in the de pure daylight. So we don't always agree either, right? But we agree when things need to be agreed upon, and that's where I think you're going with this, guys. How long can you talk about 20 years ago, okay? Dave Meltzer, Jim Cornette, Eric Bischoff, Bruce Pritchard. You all have other agendas and you all have other things to talk about, okay? I'm going to point out something that maybe people don't realize. Bruce Pritchard works for the WWE. Why is he spending his time burying Russo and talking about what Russo has done Instead of addressing what the WWE product he is representing today. 
Why isn't he talking about Nia Jack and her TikTok and how dangerous she is? Why isn't he talking about Ronda Rousey? Why isn't he talking about Brock Lesnar? Why isn't he putting over the talent that he hires on his podcast and trying to get the WWE more rating? Instead, he buries people from the past. Why? Eric Bischoff, you just got fired from the WWE and you're still talking shit. Vince Russo never got fired from WCW. He never got fired from the WWE. He left TNA. So basically, he never got fired. Jim Cornette, you have a personal axe to grind with Vince Russo. And I understand that you have your beefs with somebody and you can't stand by. When you don't like somebody, hey, that's the whip. But after 20 years, enough is enough. You know, Dave Meltzer, you are the first one to put out fucking bullshit on everybody. Whether and, And this has been true lately. It's Seth Rollins. It's this one. It's that one. It's the WWE wrestlers today who come back on and say, Dave Meltzer, what are you talking about? You're full of shit. You talk shit. You're talking about 20 years of shit. When did you ever do anything significant in the wrestling business? Go back to being a journalist. Use your etiquette. Use your college education. Use what's today's product. Talk about the shit that's going on on TV. And interview the people that you call out when they say you're wrong. Exactly. Talk to them one-on-one like a journalist should. Why shouldn't you go in? You know what? Instead of spending your time, Dave Meltzer, with Vince Russo of 20 years ago, why don't you go interview uh, Eric Bischoff and ask him what happened? What's wrong? My sources say that you suck. How about going to Jim Cornette? Hey, Jim, you put out a lot of content. But you know what? Your friggin' country ass needs to be straightened out. And I'm Dave Meltzer, and I'm here to do it because I'm a journalist. How about Bruce Pritchard? Hey, Bruce, why don't you talk about what's going on in the WWE today instead of 20 years ago and talking about fucking Vince Russo? And I hope every mock, every son of a bitch, every stooge go out there and go back and tell all these motherfuckers what I'm saying because I really don't give a shit. This is getting color with the big Vito brand. And I'm tired of listening to all this nonsense. How about talking about today's product and talk about what's going on today instead of 20 years ago? There are a bunch of fucking 50-year-old jerk-off who fucking come on here and cut promos on guys on the work they did 20 years ago. It can't be that bad because what are we watching today? The shit that went on 20 years ago. Isn't yeah. that right, Eric Bischoff with the NWO? Isn't that Jim Cornette with the Midnight Express? Isn't that Bruce Pritchard when you were doing Brother Love? It's fucking bullshit from 20 years ago. So why are we talking about it and burying it? How about talking about today's product and how we can make it better? Go. No, exactly. And the thing is with Meltzer and all those dirt sheet writers and their little bubble of everything's got to be 20 minutes, thrill of victory, agony of defeat, all this stuff. They don't want that to be interrupted. That's why they don't take the interviews with Russo. That's why they continue on with lies when they're called out. Do they report some stuff that's accurate? Yes. We know there's moles in these companies that report to them. But like people that have been in the business, like Russo has stated, a lot of these moles will spin news to them to make themselves look good. And in order to keep the dirt sheet to come back to be listening to them, they have to give them some truths. But along the way, they give them a bunch of bullshit. And I'll tell you, what's Meltzer's accuracy rating? It's got to be under 25%. But everybody, all his fans only talk about the times he is right. 
What about all the times he, uh, he's wrong? What happened to that Roman Reigns versus Daniel Bryan match last year that was supposed to happen? Oh, wait, it never did. You know what? And you know what? This is what I hate more than anything, you know? And this is what's wrong with the wrestling business. Wrestling, wrestling business likes yes guys, okay? They don't like the straight-up, hard-hitting guys who talk facts, don't talk bullshit, and just put it on the line, right? If I had a job, this is just an if. This is not me begging for a job. This is, not, this is just me being a journalist. This is being an analyst. This is talking straight shoot, okay? If I'm Vito LaGrasso, and, I'm, and you know, and, and I'm going to be re- working for... Let's say WWE, just for, because that's the biggest company. That's the best company. That's what wrestling is. Everybody wants to work there, right? And you say, Vito, okay, we want you to talk wrestling. We want you to give your hard, your God's honest truth on 30 years experience in the business, being you've been to all the territories, you've been everywhere, you've seen everything, you're worse than all the companies. What is your take on our product week after week? I would give the truth on everybody and everything. And that would probably be the most listened to show. It'd probably be the most accurate show because I wouldn't sugarcoat it. And if people came to me afterwards and said, why did you say this, this, and this? And I would say, because you did this, this, and this. And that stuff's a draw because when CM Punk got to say what was on his mind in 2011, he became a main eventer, a big star. People today like to hear the reality in the shoots of wrestling. Look at all the shoot interviews that have a lot of views and podcasts that people like to listen to. WWE should incorporate that. Maybe that's the missing cog to getting ratings back up. You know, why is CM Punk, why is CM Punk who tries to do that on that WWE show on Fox Sports 1 that nobody watches because it's on late and it's on a channel not many people get? Why isn't WWE having him say this stuff about them on their TV? Oh, because they have an axe to grind. You don't, you don't think CM Punk would take a contract from them, not to necessarily work, just to show up on WWE television burying them? If WWE allowed it, people would be like, holy shit, Punk's on T- WWE TV burying them. People want to hear that. Would that spike? And this would be like you doing it too, Vito. People want to hear that stuff. They want to hear the truths. You know, you got, you got, you got people out there that forget something, okay? And this is what the, what the wrestling business is missing. Wrestling Psychology 101. It doesn't change. It works. Vince McMahon knows Wrestling Psychology 101. You know, everybody can say what they want about him. You know, I can say what I want about him. But he's still the number one wrestling company out there. He's still running the ship. He's still doing Are his ideas the greatest? Maybe not. Are some of his ideas good? Yes, so. But... You know, everybody's got something to say because they, 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 they have opinions. But if you actually let somebody in and say, okay, Vito, we're going to give you a job. I want you to talk about our product. I want you to talk what's good and what's bad. And I've been doing this for three years I've been podcasting, three years I became a journalist, three years I've been at this, right? And I have not lied or bullshitted or smooth-talked or, oh, my God, WWE or AEW or TNA or anything. If what's good is good, I say. If what's bad is bad, I say. And that's what we miss today, the honesty. Today's wrestling, yes, men. Yes, yes, yes. Type, type, type. Yes, yes, yes. Vince, Vince, Vince. Uh, uh, Mr. Khan, Mr. Khan, Mr. Khan. You know, Dixie, Dixie, Dixie. All up people's asses because they have money and they're wrestling. They're not wrestling people. They're not, they're not 
related to it. They're not breathing. They didn't go to the territory. They didn't earn the crap. They lied to me 30 years ago. Vito, you stick with this and you learn from every veteran. You learn the business. You will have a job at the end of your career. Live, because I learned the business. I learned everything. I spoke my mind. But you didn't tell me I had to be a yes man. You didn't tell me I had to kiss ass. You didn't tell me about the politics that came along with it. Now, who's the best politicker of all? Hulk Hogan. And he's my friend. I've got nothing against Hulk. He had a great career, but he was the greatest of politics. All right? That's Rick, true. Rick Flair, okay? You didn't become Rick Flair and all this champion. Rick Flair was more of a worker than, than uh, Hulk Hogan. I think he was more one of the boys, but he still kept his position and kept his clique and, you know, worked in a certain circle. There are guys out there who have done the same thing. You know, Ultimate Warrior. Oh, we'll bring up the Ultimate Warrior, right? Ultimate Warrior believed his own juice, believed his own hype, believed in his own thing, right? He had a hard head and was stubborn and didn't think that anybody was better than the Ultimate Warrior. He was outside of wrestling. He was blackballed, right? Tried to come back with the AE or with the NWE. Uh, 15 years later, I was there that night. I watched it. It was a debacle. It was sad. It was not what you expected. He wanted to go home in two minutes. They wanted, they needed him to go 15. It wasn't what you thought, my man. You know, and I have no disrespect to his wife or his girl. They're very nice, very nice family. But it is what it is. And when you was that the about, match against Orlando Jordan? Orlando, I was there. Rikishmi had me in the gorilla position. To veto, you might have to run out there and cause a distraction. I said, Keisha said, I'm ready to go. And this is true story. It's not bullshit. It's not lying. Because with NEW, when we were running, we were drawing 5,000, 10,000, 15,000. And what happened? People got greedy and didn't want to keep it up. Went to smaller arenas, but people didn't want to give up the money. Didn't want to give up. If everybody would have downsized and it kept going, that place would still be open. How do you pay some? I'm not going to say the name, but how do you pay somebody twenty thousand a week cash plus expenses plus hotel plus this plus that? It doesn't happen. It you're not going to you're sinking. When I wrestled for um, New Japan, uh, uh, World Japan, okay, Road Warriors, Vader, Road Warriors, two biggest names, okay. This guy made this money. This guy made this money. I came in on the on the knee. I can't survive on this money. Hey, mofo, I'm making less than you. I ain't complaining. I'm happy to be here and I'm happy to work. But I can't survive on this money. You're making three times and four times of what I'm making and you're complaining and you're taking home cash? Give me a fucking break. That's because people are greedy in the wrestling business. You want to work. You want to get your money. Yeah. But if everybody was on an even keel... That's why a union is good. Everybody's on the same pay scale. You have the same thing. Then you don't have these problems. Go ahead. I'm yep. done with Dude, that. are you you really want to get hot now for Go the ahead. main event? Yes, the main so, event. So, you know, there's been some comments floating out there recently about ECW. And, you know, we get into these talks about back then, the unprotected chair shots, the dangerous things that, you know, everybody knew about concussions back then, but not like CTE and stuff like today. Um, but I, I think all comp all wrestling companies were doing similar stuff. ECW was creating its identity to be extreme, right? I was a big fan of it, Vito. I loved it. Um, some wrestlers never wrestled there. And I'm going to let you take this one over here. 
because some wrestlers that never wrestled there, that wrestled other places, I think they might look down upon ECW. What do you think? Guys, like I've been saying for the past five years, we were not educated in what a concussion was, and we were not educated in anything that had to do with chair shots. I was brought up to know that when you had a concussion, you had to be knocked out. Nobody came to me with a booklet. Nobody came to me with a head, a spreadsheet. Nobody came to me with a doctor. Nobody educated, not just me, but the wrestling industry on what would be done with chair shots, head shots, head trauma, and everything. Remember, we're in a car accident 200 times, 250 times a year. Up, down, up, down, banging your head, banging your back, banging your elbows, banging this. So you're talking about a traumatic injury. Why do you think MMA fighters only, only fight three times a year? Yep. That's a hard-hitting thing. Wrestling, how many times do you hit the mat? How many times do you jump off the floor? How many times do you get up? How many times do you slam? How many times do you run? Every day it's your life. So being that we got that established that what a concussion is, okay, and how it was perceived that nobody educated us to what it was to be, uh, you know, not knowing what CTE is and not knowing anything, because, because nobody knew anything, nobody educated us. Were there doctors who could tell you what there were? Yes. Did they educate the wrestlers on what they were doing to their bodies? No. That's one thing. You get up today, and I saw a, a clip, an advertisement for the Russo brand with Jeff Lane, Disco Inferno, and Vince Russo. Virtue, you watch the whole segment. I want you to explain to them, before I get into this, what you understood from this and what you took from this. So, you know, I love this show, and at the time, I didn't think anything of it. And so when you kind of mentioned you want to talk about this topic, I was like, oh, so, you know, ECW got brought up and, you know, they were just talking about, well, those guys would do anything for a pop. You know, it was a it was small underground wrestling in bingo halls. And I felt like it was kind of getting buried. Uh, I know Russo never was in ECW, right? He was only in the big leagues. Disco was never in ECW either. So I feel like, kind of the ECW product. And, and I don't know if it's because, you know, they're not big fans of Heyman. You know, Heyman works for WWE now, right? I, I don't know. But I almost felt like they were kind of crapping on the culture of ECW when in reality, I mean, it kind of was a big deal back then because you had WWE, WWF, you had WCW. ECW was the little engine that could like, hey, you don't just need to be this huge wrestling company to succeed. And I like the fact that it was different. And yes, it was extreme veto. Yes, there was some crazy shit done. But I, I don't think it should be referred to as like almost the redheaded stepchild of, of the Attitude Era and an unsafe working environment. Because for years, Vito, all the wrestlers, they, you could get hurt any time in a regular wrestling match, right? So you start throwing chairs around and doing bigger dives and stuff. Not all the wrestlers in ECW did that. But I felt like... ECW was kind of chastised in a way on that show by people that weren't there, especially one Mr. Disco Inferno. And again, maybe I 
interpreted incorrectly, but he kind of snickered at the thought uh, ECW was relevant. That That's the gist I got out of it. You know, he al- I almost felt like they were thinking, oh, was this a WWE and WCW era back then? And I think ECW was every bit as part of the Attitude Era as anything else. Okay. That's what I took out of it. That's what you took out of it. Now, guys, I got up and I saw a clip today, an advertisement for my friend Vince Russo and the show. It was Jeff Lane, Vince Russo, and Disco Inferno. Again, the burial of ECW. Let me explain something to you and all the people out there. And I'm going to state this, and I, I thought about this all day. And then I'm going to get it. I'm going to say it. I'm trying to be as cool as possible. When I started wrestling, I went to a wrestling school, Johnny Rods. And you have these hopes and dreams to make it to the WWF, WCW. You want to make it to Japan. You want to make it to Puerto Rico. You want to go to Memphis. You want to do all these things. Okay. I, in my first year, was wrestling in front of jam-packed arenas with 17,000, 15,000, 20,000 people in the WWF. True story. I was wrestling in front of full jam-packed houses in my one and my first TV taping where I wrestled beautiful Bobby Eaton in Baltimore, Maryland for WCW. Okay, so I got a taste of the big leagues and I was treated in my first year to working with the pros, working with the best in the business. So I knew big houses and I knew full jam-packed houses. I wrestled with Johnny Rods on the independent scene. Okay, took me everywhere. I was Johnny's boy. Yes, I worked. But after a TV taping... On a Monday, I was back at Johnny's on Tuesday, Thursday, and Saturday. Training, wrestling, and then wrestling on the weekends. When you pay your dues and you go through the business and you're doing this, and you say, okay, I have a goal. I want to be a WWF superstar. But in hindsight, I was a WWF superstar because I got invited to all the tapings. I wrestled on the shows. I wrestled. I was a Northeast guy. I wrestled for the WWF. I was invited, I was booked by the WWF to come to these shows, okay? Now, like I said, you, they, we were at the height. You had war, you had um, Honky Tonk Man. You had the Warrior. You had Hulk Hogan, Ric Flair. You had Bret Hart. You had the best of the best wrestling there. So uh, from there, you go to Japan. You go wrestle in Japan, and you're wrestling in some more jam-packed houses. Now, that's when I got my first taste of Puerto Rico, and I wrestled for All-Star Wrestling. There weren't weren't jam-packed houses, but it was a learning experience with the territory. From there, you come home, and then you go back to the WWF TVs, and you're working in front of more jam-packed houses because wrestling was at its high. You say, I got to make it to Memphis, Tennessee. Go to make it to Memphis, Tennessee. What are you wrestling? You get wrestling, basic wrestling 101. We were doing Moondog Battle Royals. Anybody ever hear of that? What's that, Vito? You get hit with two by fours across the head. Moondog Battle Royal. Everybody did it. Jerry Lawler, everybody. Everybody, every superstar who went through, 
you went through there, you went through that. Was there any talk of concussions or head injury? No, absolutely not. There was no, if you got knocked out, you got a concussion. Went to San Domingo, Jack Veneno. He was the WWC. You know what I mean? That's where Ric Flair went. He lost the NWA heavyweight champion to Jack Veneno. Jack Veneno didn't reciprocate the favor. He kept the NWA Towers champion. I was there for six months. Again, wrestling in front of conscience, jam-packed with people who believe. I went to Puerto Rico after that wrestle for Carlos Colon. Jam-packed arenas, the Concha and Congress, 13,000, 5,000, 6,000. You had people in the stands. Territories where you learn. You go to wrestle for all Japan. Those are jam-packed houses. So what would you say? I've been wrestling in front of jam-packed houses most of my all career. All the way up to that point, yep. Okay, I would made a trip to Malaysia in between that. Where I've jam-packed houses again. So here I am making my way, and I go to Japan. I pin the best in the world in front of a jam-packed house going over the I'm doing it. I've come home. I've done my tour three years in Puerto Rico. I did, I did this uh, all Japan tour, and I'm saying, okay, things you got to. I said, all right, I need to change my ways. Too good for my own good. I need to go. I go to ECW. ECW was uh, wasn't the ECW Extreme. I think it was uh, Eastern, Eastern Championship Wrestling. Yes, before it became ECW. There's, there's Taz. Now, the guys who were there at ECW, Tommy Dreamer, he was from Johnny Rods. Taz, ECW, is from Johnny Rods. Devon Dudley, ECW, come from Johnny Rods. Peter LaGrasso, ECW, Johnny Rods. There were other guys like Big Dick Dudley who came from there. Uh, Dancing with the Wolves, Dudley, who came from there. Um, I'm not sure if anybody else wrestled there, but maybe uh, Dick Dudley had, Big Dick Dudley was a a prominent guy in the Dudleys, okay? Uh, Bubba came from Johnny Rods. He he came to Johnny Train after I left. Talking about a class of guys who wrestled there. Bill DeMott wrestled in ECW, Johnny Rods guys. Mondo Clean wrestled for ECW, Johnny Rods guy. Talking about being brought up in the wrestling business the right way. There was a new culture in town. And that was the ECW culture. They had a program. They had things. Vito, we'd like to have you, but you have an attitude problem. And, I, and this has been, I said, on every interview. I said, I know I'm here to just, you know, I want to wrestle. I want to wrestle for you guys. Okay, Vito, talk to Paul. Talk to Taz. Taz is the one who gave me who I talked to. And Taz is the one who got me there. All right, Vito, listen, you know we don't want to trouble. I said, listen, I'll, I'll do what I got to do. It was a culture. You go there, you get there. I wrestled for all the best companies I've been wrestling on. You know, I wrestled all the best. Was I walking in there and taking anybody's stop? No, you start from the bottom. You earn your keep here, Vito. Okay? Vito, your first match, we don't want you to do nothing. We want you to take three finishes. Nova, Chenny, Lumini. Okay, no problem. How'd you feel about that, Vito? That was fine. No problem. I told him to give me everybody their finish. I said, guys, give me your finish. Let me lay in a minute. They said, are you sure, Vito? 
And these guys who respected me, I just finished Pinamizawa in Japan. I had the best tour of Japan. And here I am doing this because I had to. Okay, Vito, come back next week. Attitude in check. All right, Vito, let's do the workouts. I could wrestle or out-wrestle anybody in that locker room, wrestle with anybody in that locker room. All the trainees, all the trainers, they knew I could wrestle. It's just an attitude problem. But I had to follow the program because there was a culture. When you don't wrestle there and you don't know what it's like to be at ECW, the brotherhood, everything that it means, and you go through the rituals to get yourself a job there because you have to earn it. You get guys. Now, I'm wrestling during the Attitude Era, and I've been to all these territories. I'm wrestling during the Attitude Era. I started out in the 90s wrestling in jam-packed houses. But when you come on, ECW was an afterthought. It wasn't nothing. We had the NWR. Disco Inferno. I like Glenn. He's very opinionated. But I got to tell you, you talk out of your fucking ass. And I hope everybody's going to tell him and run and say what I said, because I really don't give a fucking shit. Okay? It's been sitting in my gut all fucking day. When you go and knock the ECW and everybody who went through that, those doors and became stars, Taz went to ECW. Um, uh, went to WWE. Tommy Dreamer went to WWE. Um, Rob Van Dam went to WWE. Jerry Lynn went to WWE. Dudley's. The Dudley Boys went to WWE. Big Vito, WCW. Mike Lance Awesome. Storm, Mike Awesome, WCW. Big Vito eventually wound up not only in WWE, but wound up in TNA and, T and, and, and WCW. And I started out in the WWF. But it was a culture. All the guys who were stars made it in the WWE. Some guys weren't as blessed as I was to wrestle at WCW and the W. Lance Storm did. He wrestled for three of them. I, and I think he wrestled in TNA briefly. Maybe he made an appearance. But he talked about regular on a regular basis. Not many of us. Raven. Raven. Shane Douglas. Bam Bam Bigelow. Sabu Sandman. Sabu Sandman. Sid Vicious. One Man Gang. Rod Price. You're going to tell me that nobody knows anything about anything. Oh, but Rude was even there. there, even though he couldn't work because I think he was hurt. Rude was even in ECW yeah. for a brief time. Yeah. And Disco Inferno went on to make comments that, well, the guys look stupid taking headshots. And ECW wasn't a factor because we had the NWO. Listen here, you fucking mutt motherfucker. Okay? And this is where it gets serious. I like you. But when you fucking knock everybody who came through there, okay, and you knock the hard work that I put in to get to the next level and everybody else that put the fucking hard work in and you knock the culture of something that you wouldn't be able to fucking do and you wouldn't be able to make, your fucking highlight in your career was coming out with the disco ball as Disco Inferno, which was the greatest fucking gimmick ever. You're being champion, manager champion for the Mamelukes. You're being a bit player with the fucking, um, the filthy animals. You being in there, all right? And then going to TNA, being in the office, being that guy. 
that was your thing, is to be in and fit in, work in the office instead of being a wrestler, okay? This had nothing to do with taking headshots. But I went through the witches, and I paid my dues, and I made my way through. Not because I was a politician, not because I wanted to schmooze with the fucking guys, not because I wanted to rub elbows with the NWO. Because I was Vito LaGrasso, I was a wrestler, and I earned my keep. And when you talk about guys who, well, they look stupid, did Steve Austin look stupid when he was taking open chair shots? Did The Rock look stupid when he was taking open chair shots? The Undertaker, um, Kurt Angle, Every Mick Foley, um, uh, Bret Hart, the British Bulldog, whoever, Shawn Michaels, Vince McMahon, was he a jackass too? Shane McMahon, who owned the company. Stephanie might have taken a chair shot. Linda McMahon might have taken a chair shot, okay? I'm not a historian on chair shot, but when you insult the wrestling industry because you want to sit there like a fucking jackass and you want to have an opinion, let me tell you something. You couldn't fucking make it in ECW because they would have fucking willed your way in. You wouldn't have fucking been able to hang, okay? You weren't that fucking tough. You're a nice guy, and I like you, and everything cool, all right? But when you go knocking what I accomplished and everybody who went through those fucking doors, go fuck yourself. And you sit there, and you want to be opinionated on a fucking podcast, okay? But it wasn't a time that anybody could fucking shine my shoes Anybody wanted to fucking come in to step in the ring with me, they had a fucking handful of ass that they couldn't fucking handle. And who was a fucking workhorse in WCW? Vito LaGrasso. When Johnny the Bull was green, I always made sure he was protected. When we went to go do things, I made sure I did everything correctly. When it was putting together matches and we used our heads in psychology and tag team wrestling, we had the best opening match at... Uh, Great American Bash, the first pay-per-view, when it was you and Lash Rue against me and Johnny. I loved that match. That was great wrestling. That was with Memphis and, and, and Puerto Rico and, and ECW and all the things that I worked for and gained knowledge. That was brought to the table in those matches. Not just taking fucking hash, chair shots. Not you insulting everybody. You mentioned bingo halls. You mentioned fucking and no people wrestling. I've been wrestling in front of fucking packed crowds since the day I was fucking born in wrestling in 1991. Way before you even thought about being a fucking wrestler. How many did you wrestle for? Was it Nepal? In Nepal. Main event in front of a fucking nobody because of Big Vito LaGrasso in front of 20 to 25,000 people who didn't understand wrestling. And you're gonna and I went back the next year after I almost got fucking killed because you know what? It's wrestling. It's making a story. It's making somebody. And I went over and put over that guy to make that guy the Hulk Hogan of fucking Nepal. And he still got the belt. He's still the champ. He still never gave it up. Are they drawing the same crowd like when I was there? Absolutely not. But what did it take? It took my know-how, my knowledge. I told him, listen. We're going to do this angle. I'm going to come in. I'm going to be a fucking ruthless bastard. I'm going to embarrass you. But when I leave, you're going to be the Hulk Hogan of Nepal. And by God, he was the Hulk Hogan of Nepal. In Memphis wrestling, I'm part of history with the Gilberts and Lawlers. And I'm part of that. In, 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 uh, in Puerto Rico, am I part of history? I'm part of the big houses at the Congress. I'm part of the IWA. I'm part of AWF. Okay, I have Skull Von Crush li- live 
long and, and still people ask me to go back. But when you sit there and you sit there in your house in Las Vegas and you work and, and you do your work and, and you want to criticize what people did, motherfucker, you weren't part of the NWO. You rubbed elbows, you're a fucking jock sniffer. You're my friend, I love you to death. But when you insult the people and you insult wrestling, that fucking sucks. I got to tell you, it fucking sucks. And I hope everybody watches this. I hope everybody goes and fucking tells them. You're a fucking jerk off at times. You want to rub people the wrong way? You rub me the fucking wrong way today. Oh, well, as you know, it's bingo hall. Fuck you. Because you want to know something else? John Cena made an interview with AJ Styles a long time ago when he embarrassed AJ Styles. He said, listen, I wasn't. I was built for the WWE. I didn't pay my dues in wrestling bingo hall. Fuck you, John Cena. Because if it wasn't for developmental, where you had a chance to learn and you had a chance to enhance your craft, okay, like in Louisville, Kentucky, okay, or Deep South Wrestling or Florida Championship Wrestling, where Vince wanted to make his own stars. And if you had to go through what I went through or people went through to go work in territories, you wouldn't be fucking John Cena today. There wouldn't be Batistas. There wouldn't be Randy Orton's. There wouldn't be the, uh, the, the plateau of stars that have come through those great doors. Brock Lesnar. wasn't. Right. Brock Lesnar. Where would he be if he didn't go through the fucking Louisville, Kentucky or Deep South? That's where the stars came from, yes. But it wasn't for the trailblazers or the guys who paid the dues and put the fucking ECW bingo halls or anything else. AJ Styles, yeah, he did wrestle there. He didn't go to developmental. He learned his craft on the road. He learned how to be a wrestler, just like I did. A wrestler. Guys, you have a misconception what the wrestling business is. And if you take a back seat and look at how it developed, it wasn't until... When was the developmental come out? When did they come out? 2005, 6, 7? Yeah, I mean, and then NXT became a thing in like 2010... And then, right. like, where it's a TV product, too. Yeah. And who ran that? Steve Kerner, the fabulous one. You're calling him an asshole, too, because he had a jerk-off gimmick, the fabulous one, which is my favorite video. Are you calling him because he ran the talk, guys? Okay? You had uh, uh, not Tom Pritchard, okay? Tom Pritchard wrestled with Chris Candido and did, uh, what was it, the Heavenly Bodies or the, uh, the Body Donnas. Great gimmick. But that guy, um, Pritchard, came through the old school way just like I did. Terry Taylor came through like I did. All the guys who were wrestling came through like I did. Steven Regal, who is the commissioner and has a seat at, at, um, at NXT, where do you think he were? All-star wrestling in England. Otto Wands in England. Those independents, which I also wrestled for. And you want to talk about Carnival? They were tense, and they were people, and they were jam-packed, and they believed. And that's how and you I, got the wrestling And game. I think that part of Disco knows that wrestling started in the carnies, in the carnivals. I just, you know, he just was so, I mean, he really was WCW. That's where he worked. That's yes, he it. went to TNA. And, and, and the thing is, you're so diverse because you work for all of these. So he, it's like he defends his WCW bubble, and I get that, his home turf. But, like, I think he should open his eyes more. And maybe I read him wrong, but I listened to that show with the ECWs of the world. It wasn't just WWE 
versus WCW. Now, granted, those were the Monday Night Wars, right? I get that. That was the main part of that back then. But I'll tell you what, as a fan back then watching those wars, ECW was very much part of that. Even though they didn't go head-to-head, I saw the ECW wrestlers bouncing in and out of these other two big promotions. It was very much. When you talk about it, right? What were the big three? And when we started to get some play. It was a big three, yes. 1998 is when, okay, it was full-blown. I was there, right? And you talk about, here's WCW, here's the WWE, and here is the fucking ECW. There was no competition. You bet your sweet ass there was fucking competition. And if there was money to be had or money to be put invested in ECW, there could still be ECW wrestling today, okay? What do you think? It just fucking... If it wasn't nothing to all you fucking marks out there, okay, and all you piece of shit. Why did Vince McMahon buy ECW? Yep. Why did he pay and Paul Heyman? 2005, One Night Stand, even though it was John Cena versus RVD, that was the, that was the last of the real ECW I remember, and RVD went over, I don't know if it was 2005, 6, or 7, RVD went over John Cena. Think about that. Yeah. So think why do you think that. you think it was irrelevant and had a big part in the play? And then when if you're so talking about that era, 96, 97, Eric Bischoff, you came up with a great idea. You're a one hitter quitter because that's all you got. OK, that's all you did. That ECW, that uh, WCW run. After that, you took a shit in TNA. You took a shit in the WWE and you still run your fucking mouth about Vince Russo today. And disco, you're on that same fucking line of path. Oh well, this and I'm opinionated. I'm gonna. You sit there with your fucking opinion, but when it came time to do work and say I wrestled for all these people, did you? Did you really put your time in? Did you really go to all these places? Or where the fuck were you wrestling? Because in 1991, I was already being a fucking wrestler, wrestling in packed houses when you were still thinking about it and being somebody in this fucking place. Well, to his credit, now he's working the women in TNA once or twice a year and putting them over. <laughs> wow, Vito, how do you feel now? That was I, that was excellent, and um, we'll we'll see. I mean, this is going to go live. Noel's going to get this show up Monday, uh, probably even later tonight. So it'll be all over Twitter and the internet. Uh, you know what? We will have to see what happens. We will have to see what happens. You know, for all you people out there, and when you're over fifty years old, guys. And you got other things in life instead of talking about 20 years of fucking Vince Russo. For all the people who were not in ECW, how the fuck do you know what was going on in that fucking locker room, in that place, in those arenas? Because not for nothing, the house shows were drawing more than fucking some of the WCW house shows. Yeah, that's a and good that's point. The truth because I, there were the Dudleys, there was Taz. There was Skull Von Crush, Vito the Skull Lagrasso. I was the third person to leave there and go on to greener pastures. So what does that tell you? They were picking up talent because there was talent to be had. And all the guys who went over and wrestled and did their thing, okay? The Chuck Palumbos, the Gindrax, the O'Hare, the Johnny the Bulls. Where'd they come from? There you have it, folks. Vito LaGrasso has spoken. We are over one hour and 11 minutes. Uh, absolutely amazing. The longest getting color that I can remember, at least with you and I doing these shows. 
No, so but with you know that what? Said, this, I, this had to be said. This oh, had yeah. to be done. Yeah, and, and, and you know what? It. You give your input, and I appreciate you watching the show. And guys, like we said, Berkshire's not trying for a job. I'm not trying for it. We're giving it to you the way it is. But when you got bullshit like this, and I'm somebody who's been there, done it five times over and wrestled for every promotion, and see it, when somebody insults you, even if he's a friend, I don't value your opinion because you're a fucking jabron. And a lot of people take you as a fucking idiot. I never did until fucking you said this shit today. So go ahead and close the show, my brother. Well, there you go. And we got to render this video so I get it to Noel. Anyway, you can follow Vito at, at the Big Vito brand on Twitter. You can follow me at no DQ underscore virtue. Trust me, that's where we're going to probably reply to you the most. But we're also both on Facebook. Uh, go check us out over there. But this has been great, Vito. I got to make sure I get this video to Noel. I might even take a little clip and put a little hot teaser clip of this on go the ahead. I go to bed Do tonight. Your thing. So, folks, in the Big Vito brand land, this is Getting Color with Big Vito LaGrasso and Virtue right here on the BigVitoBrand.com. We thank you for watching, and trust me, this is going to be a hard one to top next week, but we're going to try. So see you later.